Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the good folks at MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs, a group that is uh, dedicated to uh, protecting our natural resources here in the great state of Michigan and protecting our right to uh, enjoy those resources. Uh, Amy Trotter at the helm of this organization. She's a very, very busy woman, and I appreciate the fact that she has found time for us today on the podcast. Amy, welcome back. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Mike. When I say you're busy, that's an understatement, isn't it? That is true, yes. <laughs> so what is on the plate? What's on the agenda these days? Um, well, we're we're always busy this time of the year. Uh, for a lot of our members, they think of it as hunting season and that we should be, you know, falling back and, and relaxing a little bit. But this is right when, of course, the legislature heats up. There's things at the Natural Resources Commission. Uh, we're in hiring mode to get ready for our camp season next year. And, uh, you know, all of our on-the-ground junior programs typically happen in the fall where we get kids out in the woods giving back to the resource and teaching them a little bit about conservation. So we got a full October. Well, and all of these things you do, all of these programs, all of these activities, you're doing it with such a small staff. I am constantly amazed with what you can accomplish with such a a small number of people, Amy. It is, and and that's where, you know, it, it... always takes a village, of course, as the saying goes, uh, but that's where our members come in. That's where our partners come in um, to help us get that done, whether it's uh, on the ground directly or just in the grassroots advocacy process. Our members are are what help us uh, reach those successes. When you talk about grassroots, you know, that that's a term that a lot of people throw around and maybe people don't have a real understanding of what it is. In the case of MUCC, what does grassroots mean? Grassroots means that this is the opposite of a top-down organization. So, for example, I don't sit in my office here in Lansing dictating uh, how how we take positions on different policy issues before us and before the state. Uh, Those come directly from our members. So I don't have necessarily always the flexibility to even change uh, midstream or or react to things that are new issues. I do need to have some basis in our 82 years worth of policy that has come before me um, in order to determine how we might act on any future legislation or regulation. Regulation changes. 82 years. That's quite impressive. It is. It is. And sometimes, you know, and as an organization, we have evolved. We have um, changed positions over time. And it's always usually a result of good data, new information, new science, or, or it can be also a changing just demographic of what the priorities are. And things like that as well. So we have a number of examples of our, you know, how our grassroots policy process has really led to actual action in Lansing and really changing the conservation uh, community in the face of natural resources going forward. Well, let's let's look at a couple of examples. Of course, the bottle bill, you're famous for the bottle bill. And then the, um, it was one of your members who brought forth the idea of eliminating Michigan's minimum hunting age. And look what you've done with that. 
Yeah, that's actually a, a great story. So one of our members, and he's he's now our wildlife committee chair, Rob Miller, um, came to us long before then as a member of the Bowfishing Association of Michigan. But um, certainly over time, he realized his passion was getting youth outdoors, and he wanted to figure out a better way of doing that. And he really believed that the minimum hunting age in Michigan was a barrier to parents and and mentors getting kids out in the woods before they got co-opted by youth sports or or other interests to make sure that it was always going to be part of their growing up experience. And uh, and so he really uh dug into this issue and and pursued it. And as you have personally experienced, the first time he took it to our annual convention, it failed. And he learned from that experience. So that was back in 2009. Um, He came back at it in 2010. He worked the process, which is, uh, you know, nowadays is slightly different than it was back then. But in terms of um, aligning the information that you need to really advocate for the the idea that you have, you have to have background information. So he went to actually national sources from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the uh, Sportsmen's Alliance, and different national groups that were collecting data on youth hunting. Uh, he brought that into the resolution to really demonstrate that there was no safety concern with the the program that he was really offering. And then he he fully understood that it could change over time. And so he he left it a little of the details out of it, knowing that the Natural Resources Commission and uh, the policy process they go through was also going to probably shape the final outcome. With that resolution in 2010, it actually passed. And then that becomes the marching orders of this organization. So what did we do? There was a brand new legislature and a new governor starting in 2011, so we started talking about this right away. Uh, We developed legislation with the late uh, Representative Peter Battaglia, and he he took hold of this issue and was really excited about it, got a bill introduced within the first three months of that session, and uh, it actually really unprecedented, uh, passed and was signed into law in five months. (laughs) Legislation doesn't happen that quickly anymore. And the exciting thing is that, you know, Rob Miller, who had this idea, again, is a bow fisherman. That's where he came to our organization from in terms of a membership. He had a passion. He turned this idea into something, and he saw it through the whole process. He's an electrician from Allegan County. You know, he has no experience in science. He has no experience in advocacy. He's not a polished politician or a lobbyist or anything else. So when I say that I speak on behalf of my grassroots members, it's it's guys like Rob Miller that come to us with an idea goes through the process, and he actually got to attend that bill signing with the governor. Oh, wow. So it was really great. He's still in in his office at his uh, electrician's shop. He's got a framed picture of of that moment with his family and the governor and the bill that he got started. You can't get any more grassroots than that. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the good folks at MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs. If you want to learn more about MUCC, the activities they're involved in, this grassroots 
a bottom-up organization. You can check out the website, mucc.org. That's mucc.org. On Facebook, you can find them at uh, facebook.com slash mucc1937 and on Instagram at mucc1937. We're talking with MUCC Executive Director Amy Trotter. Uh, My name is Mike Avery, and I am a member of MUCC. And Amy, I saw this grassroots... uh, uh, program firsthand at, as, as I tried to get a resolution, uh, resolution through myself. Yeah, so, and we can just kind of walk through what sure. is the process. Um, so, again, it, it takes an idea, and you had an idea. Maybe you want to explain to the listeners yeah, what my, your well, idea my, was. My idea, and it still is my idea, and mm-hmm. I got this while I was out uh, fishing on Saginaw Bay. I love to troll on Saginaw Bay, and I was out there my, by myself in my boat, and I was limited to three lines, and I had a charter captain come by me, and he had, must have had 19 rods in the water. And I thought, boy, it, you know, I'm going to have a hard time patterning these fish when I have to compete with a guy like that charter captain when he's got so many baits in the water. And I took it one step further and I said, well, why do we have this limit? If the fishery is protected both by the daily creel limit, the number of fish you can take, and the daily size limit, what could it possibly hurt if we had an unlimited number of rods that an angler could use? Because the fishery would still be protected. So I came to you and I said, Amy, I have this idea. Um, can I work with MUCC in helping to make this happen? It didn't happen, but the process I found fascinating. And why don't you walk me through the steps that you told me how to, you know, how to, how to try to make this happen? And believe me, Amy, I have not given up on the idea. All right. Yeah. So, so I remember that conversation back in our office, probably about a year ago now. Yep. And um, I said, you know, let's let's see what our past resolutions on this issue looked like. And I recall the time when we actually supported the move from going from two to three rods because it actually used to be only two. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was something that MUCC supported, um, increasing it once. You know, uh, over the time that I've worked here. And I recalled from that conversation that there was concern um, from the members, and again, this was a little dated information, but uh, pier fishermen and ice fishermen, those were the things that were commonly brought up where there was concern. So in that conversation between you and I, uh, you know, a member of MUCC and a staff person, uh, we decided that your resolution would really focus on trolling, as I recall. Yeah, trolling Uh, anglers. And because I had, you know, I I talked about it on my radio show that that I was, I had this concept, I wanted to work with MUCC and trying to make it happen. And people said, Avery, don't do it to the, to the pure fishermen or the ice anglers. And it made complete sense because if you had an unlimited number of rods, they could take over an area. So we kept that out of the, um, the proposal. And I had to come to a meeting, I think it was midwinter. And I think, what do you call those, district district policy meetings? That was our conservation policy board meetings. Yes. So those happen on the quarter. We have them in September, December, and March. And any member of MUCC is invited to attend those. They happen all around the state. We try to move them around to different sportsmen's clubs around the state to be able to not only, you know, see a different area of the state, but maybe draw in people from the region as well that might not drive across the state to uh, to come to a meeting like this. But they're always open to all members, individual members as well as affiliate clubs. There is a voting capacity to that 
Conservation Policy Board. So they take up issues like resolutions, and you did have to put your idea in the form of resolution, yes. but I'm pretty sure I helped you kind of frame that out and make sure that the you know formatting was correct and everything like that, and our staff is always happy to do that. And thank you for that. Um, so we had copies of that available. It was on the agenda. Uh, and uh, usually we try to make these conservation policy board meetings more than just business. So we want to offer them also as an educational and a learning opportunity as well. So at that particular meeting, as I recall, we might have had a, a presentation also about PFAS and fish and wildlife. Uh, Dr. Straka, I think, was there. That was uh, Dr. Tammy Newcomb. Newcomb, okay, from, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, from yes. the DNR. And and so she shared with us a wealth of information about PFAS, which, you know, for us is really an emerging issue. It's not something that we, of course, knew about back in the 30s or 40s or we had passed policy on. So that was really an opportunity to get our, our minds working on a new issue where we might not have formulated any kind of policy yet, but we really wanted to offer that up as an educational opportunity. So after that uh, presentation, then we get into the business of the day. The business of the day is our resolutions. And at that policy board meeting, they really have the, the opportunity to, to dive in. Uh, we have committees. So we have a wildlife committee and a fisheries committee, a parks and recreation and trails committee, youth and education, and then sport shooting ranges. Um, so we have five different committees that might take a look at um, some of these resolutions in advance or after the fact uh, prior to our annual convention. Um, so they're going to give a little bit more perspective on that. Generally, we have someone from the department on hand to perhaps answer questions, but always the DNR is going to give us their, their take on a resolution before it reaches our convention floor. And then at the policy board meeting, they're really voting to move those on to the annual convention, saying that these, this is a clear enough written. We know we know what you're asking for. You've you've got some demonstrated information that supports it, and uh, we believe that this should be uh, voted on by the full body at our annual convention. So at that stage of the game. It doesn't become policy, but it's just really vetted, clarified, amended if needed, and then moved on to the annual convention if approved at that level. And it's at that annual convention, as I found out, where it really gets a lot closer uh, scrutiny. Yeah, so we have about 150 voting delegates that come, and and people always ask me, well, nobody ever asked me, and why don't you do a survey of your members on these issues? And that's just not how the process works. So our process is much more like a representative democracy, actually much uh, like the Michigan legislature. So we have delegates that attend this annual convention, and they are representing either their affiliate club, or there's also individual member delegates that are representing individual unaffiliated uh, members in their region. And MUCC has eight geographic regions uh, that we divide the state up into. So those are the people that have votes at our annual convention, and they are elected or appointed through whatever mechanism their club chooses to send a person there uh, to represent either their club or they're appointed as individual member representatives. Now, the individual member representatives, they have a unique position where they're representing a constituency that they probably don't know that well. Certainly, they're 
you know, they're a member of MUCC, but they don't necessarily know how other members of MUCC in their area may feel. So we actually um, have taken steps over the last several years to just survey our individual members, so the people that aren't a member of an affiliate club, because they have their own process basically to determine the club's position on any given thing. But we do survey our individual members. They have to have an email address because we don't do this via paper. Um, it is electronic. And we put the survey out usually around uh, mid-May or so to through about the middle of June. So it's open for about a month. And we do several reminders to try to get the input from our individual members on these resolutions that are before us at the annual convention. So that's the a survey tool. Now, that's not necessarily binding that individual member delegate to to vote the way the the survey tells them to, but certainly it's a piece of information, and you would be led to believe that they would use that as as a a, a reason to uh, vote for or against something. But unfortunately, so many of our resolutions do change as they come through the process that. There may be amendments on the floor that may change the perception of the person there in the room that, you know, even even though, you know, a majority or so of people in their area might not like the idea, it got a lot better as the amendment process went mm-hmm. through. So at our convention, though, um, you know, you have to be there to have a voice. And so it is open to all MUCC members. But as I mentioned, the the ones with the votes are those delegates that are credentialed from one, either the, the club or their individual members in their region. So they actually get the vote, but anyone has the opportunity to uh, voice their opinion. And as you saw, we we do this very, very clearly and transparently. We have a yes mic and a no mic, and people line up behind them to express their their thoughts on any given resolution. It's all run through Robert's Rules of Order, so there are motions, there are amendments, there is debate, and then eventually there comes to call the question uh, of whether we approve this resolution or don't we. And mine uh, was not approved. But I learned a lot. I I learned a lot about the system. I learned that I need to be better prepared if I'm serious about getting this adopted. And and the thing that I really learned that I was impressed the most with, Amy, is me, Mike Avery, as an individual MUCC member, that I had an idea and I had the ability, there's a program in place that I could present it to the organization as a whole, which in theory could present it to the legislature and the DNR and could become law. And, and what other group gives their members that opportunity? That is so beautiful, so impressive. Yeah, it is exciting to, especially, I mean, that's the my favorite part of our my job is really seeing through the, you know, the whole process from the, the idea to resolution to, to enactment, whatever that enactment might look like. Uh, you know, it's a really a strong sense of pride for me, uh, for the organization, and I really feel honored to be able to carry people's voice, uh, you know, to Lansing or to Washington, D.C. Uh, on behalf of our members. 
So just to be clear, then the 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 marching orders for you guys there in Lansing at MUCC, they do not come from some MUCC staff brain trust. They come from the members out in the field in Michigan. That's correct. And the other thing I forgot to mention is on the floor there of our annual convention, if a resolution is seeking to change a law, create a new law or change a hunting or fishing regulation, for example, that actually requires a two-thirds majority. So you have to have a super majority of your uh, you know, voting delegates, your fellow hunters and anglers in the room uh, in support of that on the floor in order to become our our marching orders. So we can't unfortunately take a simple majority and there's been reasons for that over time. From my understanding that came from a day and time when uh you know when you only needed a simple majority and someone else was uh you know out in the hallway or something that may have made that difference. <laughs> um but but besides that uh you know they they wanted to make sure, for one, we weren't flip-flopping from year to year based on who was in the room and, and uh, you know, whether or not that, that club was, you know, present that for that vote or not. Um, but also, then I have confidence when I'm going to the legislature that I have a supermajority of my fellow members behind me. So I'm not hanging out on a limb by myself. And mm-hmm. that's really important, too, is that I know that this is a really strong support for whatever it is that we're pursuing by knowing that we have a two-thirds majority of, of the voting delegates behind me on that. And almost always it's it's much higher than that. But there are times when we actually have to count votes um, and, and see, you know, if it is on that edge or not. So a member-driven organization, a grassroots organization, yet I hear occasionally hunters and anglers across Michigan griping about MUCC, complaining about MUCC, saying, well, they don't represent what I want. And my response is, well, then get involved and let them know what you want. Exactly. Uh, you, everybody that is a member has a voice and we would encourage them to use it. If you're not a member or your membership has lapsed, I hear from a lot of people, well, I used to be a member. Uh, You know, we don't have any, uh, you know, we always have the ability to bring you back into the organization. So we don't don't harbor regrets or grudges or anything like that. Um, Certainly, we, we want more people in the fold. And uh, and we want to make sure that we are representing uh, conservation in Michigan. Now, certainly, there are some who just disagree with our our positions because they disagree with the science and the basis for which we made the decision. Um, I'm not going to be able to change their minds probably on that, even if I shared with them 162 scientific, you know, literature uh, supporting our decision. Um, I'm not going to be able to convince them differently. And um, But the thing that I always say is the other thing that's unique about MUCC compared to all the other hook and bullet organizations out there is that we're not a single issue ever. I mean, we literally work on every hunting issue, whether it's turkey hunting, deer hunting, bear hunting, baiting for any of those things, feeding any of those things, the habitat, the forestry management, all of those things. And we also 
are a fishing organization. So we work on clean water, Great Lakes issues. We work on inland waters. Uh, you know, we have a staff person right now at the Cold Water Advisory Committee. We literally work on all of the different aspects of conservation here in Michigan. And there are almost no, I would gather to say there are no organizations that work on such a diversity of issues as it relates to the outdoors. Well, and you talk about people who don't necessarily agree with everything that MUCC does. Amy, I'm a proud MUCC member, and I'll tell you, I probably don't agree with everything that MUCC does. But wouldn't that be kind of crazy if I did? It's okay to not agree with everything that an organization you are a part of does, as long as you admit that that organization is working towards a good cause and you want to be part of that. Uh, the the minor issues, the day-to-day issues are going to vary, but the message, the cause, the the goal is still the same. Exactly. And, and we want to make sure that we're conserving, protecting, and enhancing Michigan's natural resources and our outdoor heritage. With, so if you agree with that basic mission, we have a spot for you, uh, certainly. So again, it, we are more than just single positions. We work on such a variety of issues. And the thing that I always talk about, especially in the policy arena, is if you're not with us, then who's representing you? Are you there? Are you going to go to all the Natural Resource Commission meetings? Are you going to go to every one of the legislative hearings that we testify on or or initiate support or opposition to all these bills that might affect your outdoors and, and outdoor recreation? And if you're not going to show up to all of those things, then who is representing you? And if you don't have anyone, then, you know, again, we can be that voice for someone. Uh, but there, there really isn't another alternative uh, that covers the gamut of issues that we do. Uh, that's a great point, Amy. And, and it's, it's an interesting time here in our hunting and fishing community in Michigan. There are uh, the emotions are high, the passions are high, but man, are the stakes so high these days? You got people who disagree with certain things, and they say, "Look, I'm going to, I'm not going to buy a license. I'm going to get out of deer hunting, for example." But boy, that that would be a terrible mistake, in my opinion. I agree, and you know, the baiting issue is one. Of course, it is very highly charged, and. You know what? It was highly charged in 2008 back then when we already banned baiting for three years here in Michigan. People seem to forget that that already happened. And the thing that I guess I'm I'm proud of is that, you know, we got through that. We still have a membership after all of that. The DNR is still in operation and people are still hunting. So whatever ends up happening with this baiting ban, you know, we believe that MUCC is going to be there at the end of the day. The department's going to be there at the end of the day. And hopefully everybody's still hunting as well. So we may lose people. We're losing people anyway without doing anything. Yeah. But we got to be focused on continuing this kind of heritage long into the future. And that's, you know, that's our concern. Amy, I'd like to ask you one last question, and maybe it gets us a little bit off track. Um, and if you don't want to go... If you don't want to go there, that's fine. But uh, the um, the concept of getting the legislature involved in a particular issue, let's use it, let's say the baiting issue, whether or not you agree with the science of how the bait ban was enacted, 
Is it a good idea to get politicians overriding the DNR and the NRC? So from MUCC's perspective, uh, we would argue that no. Um, certainly leg- the legislature, the governor, politicians are always going to want to be the voice of their constituents, and they're going to they're, they're charged in the Constitution with protecting our natural resources. I mean, that is explicitly in the Constitution that the legislature has that authority and that duty to protect our natural resources. So if they think that someone is doing something wrong in in the management of the natural resources, I think it's entirely appropriate to have a hearing and bring them in and question them on those facts or go to their meetings, wherever that might be. So um, I, I do think it is appropriate for them to ask the questions, but to enact, to attempt to enact a law to change the decisions, that's where I take issue with that. Because unfortunately, as we've learned from time to time, there are things that end up in statute and then 20 30, even 50 years down the road, nobody remembers why. Nobody remembers the the legislature or the political nature of why something ended up in there. And that it has languished for that long without the department. Um, and, and the department has a, you know, they have a legislative liaison. They are able to uh, put up ideas for bills. But, but again, why would you have something like a regulation in there that needs to be responsive to science and to the management of natural resources stuck in a law where, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, the legislature doesn't work every day of the week. Um, and at least we are, they don't even work every month of the year. <laughs> and um, the National Resources Commission at least is bound by law to meet once a month. And so there is always an opportunity to be proactive as well as reactive when it comes to man- managing our fish and wildlife. Whereas the legislature's process, you know, for example, this mentored youth hunt, you know, only took five months to get done, but some bills take a full two years. So it's not it's not easy to convince 148 people that, uh, you know, whatever the change is, for one, is a priority for their time, and for two, is important enough to, to see through it. Um, so that's our concern with using the legislature to actually amend or change uh, fish and game law. Uh, it, it can get stuck in there for way too long, and it can't be responsive to, you know, anything that comes our way, whether it's invasive species, disease, or what have you. Well said, Amy Trotter. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about on this edition of the uh, Michigan Out of Doors podcast? Well, our next conservation policy meeting is going to be in December. That will be December 7th, and it'll be down in the Hillsdale area. So we're coming to southern Michigan, which is an area we haven't been for a while. So we're excited about having that uh, down there, uh, down on the Michigan border, to get probably a lot more of our southern Michigan clubs engaged. But December 7th will be the opportunity to uh, move another resolution forward if anyone out there is uh, interested in doing so. All they need to do is, uh, you know, contact us uh, through our website, mucc.org. And one last thing, real quick, we forgot to mention, you have a new deputy director. 
Yeah, so just a couple weeks ago, we had Kirk Riley join us on staff. Um, he comes from uh, another nonprofit land- based in the Lansing area that uh, was really looking at um, trying to serve uh, at-risk youth and get them more involved in STEM education and specifically technology. So he has some great experience at sort of the youth camp model, but what he really is designed to do is, uh, you know, his position is to help me run the business of running a nonprofit organization. So, uh, you know, making sure that all the the train cars are aligned on the tracks and moving forward while I get to go out and, uh, you know, testify in the legislature and uh, sling Ted Nugent uh, titles (laughs) whenever I need to. Well, congrats to uh, Kirk Riley on that. And thank you, Amy Trotter, for uh, everything you do for MUCC and for the Hunters and Anglers of Michigan. I know you're very busy. We'll let you get on with your day. But I'll look forward to talking with you again on future editions of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Again, if you want to learn more about Michigan United Conservation Clubs, the website is MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. On Facebook, Facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram at MUCC1937. My name is Mike Avery, and I'll talk with you next time right here on the Michigan Out of Doors podcast.